quite a prayer we just sang, you know. <laughs> you know, and I hope when, uh, when you sing such prayers, you uh, take them seriously. Spirit, take me where my trust is without borders. And God will take us there as, uh, as he chooses in his time. It's often not a, an easy journey to get to that place. Um, but he promises to, and he will, as we seek him. Just before I speak, um, you know, once in a while I, I just think what I need to do is say, way to go, IPC. I think one of, this is one of those days. Uh, we've had young adults up here uh, whom you've built into, and you've fulfilled that commitment that you've taken to nurture and to pray for and to love. And way to go parents too, by the way. Because <laughs> it's, it's a journey, right? And this is a day you need, just need to stand back as a church and say thank you God and be affirmed in, in what, uh, what you have done. I don't know that I've said it either, but uh, you know we have worked and prayed and given that a refugee family might come among us, Victoria and her children. And I just think that is an absolutely wonderful, wonderful thing that we have done. And, and I want to say in, in relationship to that also, way to go IPC. You've been like Jesus and you've loved like him. And uh, yeah, it's good. It's good to be here. Good to be part of you. And I think good to be able to say that, uh, man, some things we get right, huh? That's awesome. Well, listen, uh, I think there's probably some general agreement uh, among us here today. Those of us who who call ourselves the followers of Jesus, that one of the things that we wish with all of our hearts when we step into that relationship with him and we come to that place where we, where we believe in the Lord Jesus and um, give ourselves, if you would, uh, to that relationship with him is that there are things that we, we long to do for him. There are ways that our faith gets expressed and, 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 and gets played out in so many different ways. And, you know, the Bible has all kinds of this stuff, obviously. They're the Ten Commandments, you know, to, to, to not lie and not, not steal and, and to not kill, to honor your parents. All these things that, that, that have been provided for so many millennia, actually, that we give ourselves to. There's the idea of worshiping as we do now. The corporate community comes together and we as one get into God's presence and we sing songs like this and we honor our God. You know, that's an awesome thing that God calls us to and we want to do for him and we want to serve him. We, we take Jesus' uh, teaching about building up the kingdom, giving ourselves to get into this world and see it transformed with justice and righteousness and let this place function the way God always intended it to function and still does. There's so many things that we could do that rise out of scripture that we're just uh, eager for because we are his. Last Sunday, we began to look at a passage where Jesus told us of all the things that we might do for him, that there was a first and greatest commandment, most important thing that he wanted us to do. And it wasn't actually doing anything. It was, if you were here, we'll read the text again today, it was that we would simply love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind. Um, to focus ourselves on this, you know, and, 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 and to, to recognize what is in our hearts toward the Lord is what we talked about. And I hope you, you grappled with that dynamic because the question last week first and foremost was, do you love God? And I, I hope I was able to impress upon you how significant a question that is because it's easy to say, but it's another thing to actually do. 
You know, do you love God the way you love your husband or your wife? Do you love God the way you love your children? Do you love God the way, you know, you love your parents? Is there this heart dynamic within you that causes you to long to be with him and to delight in his presence and, and, and to serve him in so many in different ways? Is there, is there this thing that is in you called love that causes you to be committed in your relationship with him? And I hope you've grappled with that all week long, not just in an hour last Sunday morning. Because it's a penetrating question. And as we talked about, it's at the heart of our faith. It's the center. That's why Jesus called it the first and the greatest commandment. Loving God. Well, there's a second commandment, and we're going to, going to look at it today. It's interesting, when Jesus was asked by the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, what is the first and greatest commandment? He, he gave us two. And that's significant, and, and we're going to maybe learn why that's the case and why he did so today. But I, I'm going to read this, uh, this passage again to you, and we're going to include this time the second commandment. So Matthew 22, 36 to 39 says this, Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus was asked. Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And, sec and second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's obviously what Jesus wanted when he was talking about significant commandments was for us to go beyond loving God to loving people, to give great priority to that as well. So the question for us this morning isn't so much do we love God. I hope you've grappled with it and you will continue to. But the question that I want us to dig into this morning is do we love our neighbors? Do we love our neighbors? We're going to define what a neighbor is in a minute. But think for the moment about the people who live near you. That's what we first and foremost think of when we think of neighbors, don't they? And they are our neighbors. Um, and I want to ask you the question, and be honest, do you love them? Jesus is asking us to, right? More than that, he's commanding us to love our neighbors. I think if we were to really get real about that question and we're really honest with each other, most of us, including myself, would say, you know, I don't really love my neighbors. You know? I can say, and I don't say this with any great pride, I don't even know my neighbors very well. How many else of us could say similar things today? It's the way our culture has formed. We kind of go home and we cocoon and we find our homes as places of safety and we set up these invisible walls and we kind of hide. Um, but Jesus said, love your neighbors. Um, and, then, and then to complicate the matter even further, he says, not just to love them a little bit, to, to, but to love them a lot. You know, it's interesting when Jesus is giving these commandments to his people and communicating to the Pharisees what he thought, he, he gave a qualification in each instance. In the first, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. Three times he uses the word all. And we talked last week, that's with our whole being. And it's love God not just a little bit, but deeply and profoundly love him. And then he comes along and Jesus says, love your neighbors as you love yourself. <laughs> and, 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 you know, we need to, just to stop and think about that for a little minute because essentially what he's saying is love your neighbors a lot. Love your neighbors the way you love yourself. And most of us love ourselves a lot. 
You know, in Ephesians chapter 5, uh, the Apostle Paul, he's teaching, and he's teaching husbands to love their wives. Radical commandment in the day, because it really wasn't expected of a husband. Women were more property than they were someone to be loved. But he comes along and he says, husbands, love your wives. And then he says this, verses 28 and 29. Technical difficulties. Do I need, I, I just look it up. Where is Ephesians? I know it's in here somewhere. I'll read it for you. He says this, After all, no, sorry, back up. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. And isn't it the truth that, that, you know, when we come to this place of having a need in our lives, we give that need incredible priority, and we give ourselves to the satisfaction of the need, whatever it might be. So when we're hungry, what do we do? We feed ourselves. Anybody not do that here? And, and, and when we have, when we have some, some need for care, it's provided for us. We give ourselves to taking care of our needs. That's what Paul's talking about here. And we're just, men, husbands are supposed to love wives in such a fashion. The assumption is that when our, when, when our needs are met, that, 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 that it's done. And we wouldn't even think about not meeting the needs in our lives. And Jesus comes along and he says, make it the same thing in your relationship with your neighbor. You know? Love them in your heart. Have this thing toward them so much so that when you see need in them, Act. Don't even think about not acting. Just do, because the love is there and it's real and it's powerful for them and toward them. And I want to tell you, my friends, if we were to take that commandment seriously, it would change our lives. And it would change our world. It really would. We would live differently. You know, in, in Luke chapter 10, the same uh, different book in the Bible, of course, the same story is told of the Pharisee coming to Jesus and saying, which is the greatest commandment? And, and Jesus' response is given in a similar fashion, but the story is broader. More is given to us of the story in Luke. And, 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 and the Pharisee, who was kind of, hmm, kind of put in his place a little bit by Jesus' answer, then asked, but who is my neighbor? He didn't want to lose face, and he carries this discussion on a little bit. And Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan. It's the story of this Jewish man, and just a story made up. It's a parable. You know, it didn't really happen, but it's a story Jesus created to teach something profound. And, and, and this, this man is traveling uh, from one city to another on foot, of course, at the time, and uh, he, is, he is accosted, he is robbed, he is beaten, and he is left to die. He's bleeding literally on the side of the road. And three people come along. And I'm going to read to you about what these three people do, and I want you to notice... Uh, what's being described here, particularly think about what is going on in their hearts toward the man who is dying by the side of the road. So Luke 10, 31 to 35. How are we doing back there? Oh, yeah, beautiful. By chance, okay, picture this now. Man is beaten, bleeding, and dying. And along come three people. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed by him. What do you think is going on in his heart? as he sees the person lying on the side of the road dying. What's there? It doesn't really say, but I think it's a pretty fair assumption, not much is there. There's pretty, pretty much a non-response in terms of heart toward this individual. Temple assistant, a Levite, walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. What's going on in his heart? Not much. Doesn't seem to care. Then a despised Samaritan came along. Remember, the Samaritans and the Jews hate each other in this day. They're enemies. 
And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. He put, then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. Next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Um, see, what's Jesus calling us to? Those of us who call ourselves his. Um, what are, you, what, are you, what are you saying? What are you communicating? What he is wanting us to grasp is that this good Samaritan allowed his heart to be moved by what he saw in contrast to the reality of what these other, other people did. And in that his heart had been moved by what he saw, the need of this individual lying on the ground, it, 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 he allowed it then to prompt him into action to do something for this man. You know? He met his need. And Jesus, what Jesus is doing here, number one, is he's just defining love for us. Love your neighbor as yourself. He's defining it. He's, he's clarifying it. Love people enough. Care enough for these individuals to sacrifice of yourself to go and to do and to, need, to meet need. And he's also, of course, answering the question of the Pharisee in terms of defining who the neighbor is. <laughs> it's anyone that you encounter who is in need, even if they're not like you, Jesus is saying. It's no insignificant fact that he makes up a story where the man who helps the Jewish person is a Samaritan. And he's saying, even if they're different from you, even if you're supposed to hate them like Jew Samaritans are supposed to hate Jews, and Jews hated Samaritans, Jesus is saying, love them anyway. Love them. Be good to them. Care for them. Jesus is saying, if you want to know what's critical to me in terms of the commandments, I'm going to tell you here and now, it is love. Love. You might say, well, I don't know my neighbors very well. Jesus says, doesn't matter, love them. You might say um, something to the effect of, I don't really like my neighbors. And Jesus says, it doesn't matter, love them. And you might say to him or to me, but you know the, what? Those neighbors hate me and they've wronged me and they have mistreated me. And what Jesus says to you, it doesn't matter, love them anyway. And do so from your heart. I want to read a passage uh, from Matthew 5 from Christ himself. And I want people who are here, you know, I think the kids professing, their, young adults professing their faith today, the older I get, the, you know. But those of us who have claimed faith in Jesus, and I want you to listen to these words. And I want you to, I want you to zone in because Jesus is about to tell us what he expects of his people. So Matthew chapter 5, 43 to 45 says this, you have heard that the law says love your neighbor, quote from the Old Testament, and hate your enemy, addition from a human perspective. But I say to you, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. In that way you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. Wow, that's a powerful line, right? <laughs> in that way you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven, for he gives his sunlight both to evil and to the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. Are you starting to see the significance of Jesus' second commandment? Everyone you encounter, regardless of who they are, see their need, allow your heart to be moved by their plight, and treat them in the same way and with the same priority that you would treat any need that exists in your life. Go after it. Don't leave it alone. 
love them. Here's the big picture of this text. And I've kind of saved it to now for a reason. But the Pharisees are asking Jesus, what's the, the greatest commandment? Because in his day, in, in this day, there was a debate, debate among Pharisees and rabbis and the religious crowd generally as to which of the Ten Commandments which was the most important. Some said, well, the third commandment's the most important. Others said, no, 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 the first commandment is most important. And they went into great debate and dialogue about which was the most significant of the ten. And this Pharisee comes along to Jesus and he asks Jesus to weigh in in the discussion and essentially take sides. And what did Jesus do? What Jesus did was not choose one or two or three or four or five or six or seven or eight or nine or ten. He didn't buy in. What Jesus does um, is, is reach back to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and he literally quotes word for word a verse in Deuteronomy which says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And then he reaches back into Levitic, Leviticus chapter 19 and he literally quotes a verse which says, love your neighbor as yourself. These aren't unique and original, I should say, to Jesus. And then he says, these two commandments are alike <laughs> because both give focus to what is in our hearts first toward God and what is in, then in our hearts toward other people. You see, what he's doing, what he does is he redirects the discussion entirely away from what the Pharisees and others are thinking and, and, and considering incredibly important. And he says, you know what's incredibly important? Love is incredibly important. Love that dwells in your heart for God. Love that dwells in your heart toward people. People you don't even know and you don't even like. People you're supposed to hate. Love from your heart and allow that love to burst out into action by you being good to people who are in great need. And here's why. And I think it is relevance to the context. Let me ask you a question. Is it possible to obey the commandments and not love? I don't think any of the Ten Commandments are... Can you obey the commandments but not love the, pe the people who are involved? Don't lie, don't kill, don't steal. I suggest to you, you can. And I would suggest to you there were a ton of people in Jesus' day and they were all about the law and they were all about doing it right, but their hearts were wrong before God. There's no love there. None. And what happens in that context is that faith experience simply ends up as a, as a, as a legalism that is somehow divorced from the dynamic reality of a God who defines himself by saying, in Scripture, God is love. Love. As the early church grappled with this teaching of Jesus, they came to a point, the apostles and others, and they began to call this thinking of Christ the law of Christ. The law of Christ, which is love. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 says this. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the, say it with me, the law of Christ. I, mean, I want to tell you, my friends, there's something in this that is incredibly powerful for us and important and necessary if we want to know what Jesus thinks is the first and greatest commandment. The first and greatest commandment is that we will be people who love God and who love neighbor. We will be people who obey the, the, the commandment of the Lord Jesus to love. Now, are the laws important? They're incredibly important because essentially what they do 
as revelation of God's heart and mind to us, this God who, who has spoken into our lives and tells us how to be in relationship with him, the first four commandments, and then how to be in relationship with one another, the next six commandments of the ten. They're incredibly important because they reveal to us how we might love one another. Sometimes we think we're loving people when we're not really. We can get confused on this one. We need the law to inform love so that we can act in the way God wishes and, and, and so that we can truly love people. But in the end of the day, for Jesus, it's all about love. Don't talk to me about commandment number three. Don't talk to me about commandment number one or seven, for that matter. Talk to me about love. So what does this all mean for us? What does it all mean for us? I'm going to challenge you a little bit. IPC, guests who are here, just you're welcome to be challenged if you wish. Um, but think about this question. When was the last time your heart went out to someone your heart really was filled with compassion for someone um, that you didn't really know very well. And you didn't care about otherwise. Maybe even someone you don't like. Um, and when was the last time when that happened that you allowed that compassion, that pity, Different translations say it in different ways. The, the, the message version of the Bible says that the Good Samaritan's heart went out to the man lying beaten beside the road. When was the last time not only you were moved to compassion for someone that you didn't know, but you allowed it to actually move you to action to meet the need of that individual? Here's the scary possibility. We live in a world where we can be like the priest and the Levite from the Good Samaritan story where there's a non-response right here. You know why? Because we, with television and social media, we see need and brokenness and devastation all the time. And it's really possible, <laughs> and Jesus didn't tell the story lightly for us, even as his followers, to see people in desperate need, and nothing happens right here, because we won't let it happen anymore. You know, sometimes the need is physical, People need food, people need clothing, people need medical care, people need, right? Sometimes it's spiritual. The greatest need, Scripture says, in any human being's life is the spiritual need that they might discover and enter into a relationship with God. Sometimes it is a relational need where, where you know, people are struggling and there may be a broken marriage and they're living in loneliness and we could step in to provide relationships. Sometimes it's emotional. The world is filled with depression and anxiety and fear and on and on and on. It is a powerful and new reality in our world which didn't exist to the same degree 100 years ago. I hope you know that. We are surrounded by need and the temptation is, oh, I can't let my heart feel that. Hey, I'm going to leave that one alone. And that one, and that one, and that one too. You know, I just thought of this this morning, and I, <laughs> and I wish I'd had more time to prepare and, and, and to give some more detail to this story. It doesn't matter whether it's a big need or a little one. Uh, the Pope, uh, the leader of the Roman Catholic Church, was at Auschwitz, I believe, about a month ago, and he spent two hours just in silence walking around that death camp and, and being in prayer. And at one moment, he stood before a, a death chamber, really, where people used to be uh, chosen, uh, I believe, in a random kind of fashion and just put into the death chamber and left to starve to death. On a particular day, um, the, 
an individual was chosen. They were lined up at roll call or whatever outside, and uh, a young man was chosen, and he pleaded for his life. He said, I have, I have a wife, I have children, please don't kill me. And of course, that meant nothing to, to those involved <clears throat> until a Catholic priest, and I, I wish I had his name because it's so significant, I think, even to name someone like this, but said, listen, uh, I, I am not married, and I'm not going to be married. Let me die in his place. I mean, can you become more Jesus-like? So the Nazis, uh, whoever it is that was involved, said, okay, let the younger man go, and priest, you can, you can go into the death chamber. And he went into there, and, and they starved him to death. Pope stood outside that death chamber in prayer for some time, a month ago. You know, you can look at that and you say, man, there's, a, there's an illustration of powerful love, and it is. A priest who saw a need and said, let me act who allowed his heart to be moved and let, said, let me do. But you know, Jesus also said, if you give a cup of water in my name, you will not lose your reward in heaven. Just a little thing. A cup of water because somebody's thirsty. Why did Jesus say that? I want to tell you he said it because it doesn't matter if it's a huge act of sacrifice and love or if it's a little act of love. The point is it's an act of love. And to him, this is the first and this is the greatest commandment. Whether our love is toward our God who is in heaven or whether toward this person who we encounter who is in great need. I want to speak just briefly to five young adults who profess faith today. I know you're not all sitting together, but I know you're all here. Mac just walked back in. Good timing, man. I won't ask you where you were. <laughs> Let me say this to you. You have professed faith in Jesus today. You have. And you now go from this place as representatives of Christ to obey his law of love. And I'll say to each one of you, they're all going to universities or colleges. Every single one of you is going to walk into a world which is full of need and brokenness. Figuratively, there are going to be a lot of people that you will encounter who are lying by the side of the road bleeding, and they're bleeding to death. And they need to know Christ, and they, need, they will have physical needs, and they will have relational needs, and they will have emotional needs, and on and on it will go. And the Lord Jesus says to you today, when you see a need, allow your heart to be moved. Allow compassion into your heart. Don't block it off even if it hurts. And then give yourself to the meeting of that need as if it was your own. And to you five, I say to you, as you go from this place in a way as you go from us, after we've built into you and loved you and led you to Jesus, God will use you in a profound way if you will but simply love in his name. And this world will change because of you five people. It will. And people will see the reality of what Jesus is all about and this world will be made new. And I want to say to each and every one of us here today who claim the name of Christ and who say, yes, I am his by faith. Can I say to every single one of us, and I'm speaking to myself in this instance, can we find at least one person this week, just one, 
probably going to be dozens that we encounter, but can we identify one person who, who, who just is in, in such need? And, and will we allow our hearts to be moved? Don't know the person, maybe don't even like the person, maybe the person's wrong, as Jesus says, it doesn't matter. Will we allow our hearts to be moved to the point of compassion so that our hearts would go out to them so much so that we would then act based upon the love that God has placed within us to just do something for them? Can you imagine if all of us did that this week? What an impact that would make for God in this world? I'm going to finish with this. Um, Jesus said, <clears throat> John 13, um, 34, 35. Project that, please. Listen to this. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. I've got to tell you a little secret. It wasn't that new. It's in the Old Testament over and over and over and over and over again. But in this day, it was like shouting something dramatically new. <laughs> Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. My friends, if we'll do so, we will be obeying the law of Christ, the greatest in the first commandment, and this world will be changed, and the world will see the reality of this God whom we have come to know and love. People will be drawn to him. Justice and righteousness will fall from the heavens and invade our world, and the world will know that we are his. So I say to you, this week, love somebody in your heart and in your action. And so obey the first and the greatest commandment the Lord Jesus has given to us. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, it's easy to uh, protect our hearts, to bar them from the realities of this world of ours. Because sometimes, Lord, to feel in response to what we see uh, just isn't fun. But, Lord, you have communicated in these two weeks to this church what you believe to be the greatest of all commandments, and that is to love. To love you and to love one another. And we pray from the bottom of our hearts that you will enable us to do this. We pray, Lord, Lord Jesus, that uh, you will move our hearts, that famous phrase, break our hearts with the things that break your heart. And then, Lord, is, allow us the grace and the wisdom and the courage to then step into action to meet the need which is before us. Lord, make us a people of love. Make us a people who are passionate for you and for your Father. Make us a people who are passionate for those who surround us, who just need to know the love of God which has invaded our lives and is to be spread abroad. Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you that we can love you back. Help us to be faithful to you in the things that you have called us to. In your name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Well, we are really at the end of our service today. We have a couple of announcements, and I'm going to make them briefly. Um, number one, I hope you've noticed the Sherrills are back with us, uh, our youth pastor and worship leader. They both began working one quarter time this week after serious concussions and a car accident in May, and it's been a long wait. We've waited a long time. 
but we're thrilled you're here, and uh, slowly that they, they will uh, re-engage their, their ministries with us. One announcement that flows out of the reality of uh, their circumstances, we have decided in September at a minimum to remain with one service at 10 o'clock. That's for two reasons. We have three bands which lead us, and they're without their fearless leader in the way that it normally happens, with, with, without Aaron's active participation in leading. And it's a challenge, so we're going to stay with the one service. The other reality is, as Aaron re-engages, the most demanding thing she will do after having a concussion is stand under these lights and with this sound, you know, with brain impact, uh, to lead us again. And we look forward to that, but we want her to do that only when she's well enough to do it. So putting those two realities together, we're saying we're going to go through September and see what happens. Now what happens is our numbers begin to build because not so many people are on holidays anymore. And what we want to do is this. We want to build our numbers here with passion and excitement, not only as our people return, but as you invite friends and family with spiritual need into the presence of God. And I really want to encourage our church this September to do it. Most people start coming to church in September if they're going to. You know that? That's number one, then January is the other. So who is God going to lead you to just to to, to come here? And as our numbers build, as we get to that point of being filled, bringing in more chairs than we already have here, uh, we're going to make the switch then again to a 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock service. And we're going to celebrate that with joy, right? Because we need to do it. So please keep those things in mind. Um, And uh, Rachel, where is Rachel? Come on up. Come on down. To have music and people shouting and cheering. You have a mic. Rachel's just going to give us a brief announcement about youth ministry and what's happening in the next little while. Hello. Okay, this announcement is for IPC youth. If you are from grade 6 to grade 12 or grade 13, we'll allow you guys, even though you're a little bit older. Um, We're having our final gathering of the summer this coming Friday, okay, so that's going to be um, for ages grade 6 to um, grade 12. Um, we're having a really special night. We're having pizza, and we're, we've invited um, someone from Pitch and Praise to come. He's an illusionist, and he actually goes to school with Mac and I from, um, at Tyndale. So he's going to be coming, and he's going to be sharing his story with us, doing some awesome magic tricks, and it's just going to be a really great night. So invite your friends And we hope to see all you there. Also, Merge for grade 6 to 8 is on tonight. So we'll see you here at 6.30. Thank you. Hey, who wants to go see The Illusionist? Can we come? I'm barely over 19. Barely. Um, We want to say thanks to Mac, particularly, and Rachel, who has given a ton of time in leading youth ministry this summer in Renan's absence. So thank you for what you've done. Awesome job. And uh, we continue to look to uh, guide the work in young people's lives and uh, to having Brandon back soon. Two leaders at the helm again, right? Fantastic. Listen, thank you for being with us today. Uh, I hope that you've really encountered the goodness of God here, that you have heard his word, and that you're ready to run out those doors and put it into practice. So IPC and friends, get out of here. Go enjoy your day. Love the Lord your God all with, with your whole being.